Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch. This is your host, Smart Boy. Hey everybody. Uh, my stuff's a little weird today. Like I got my laptop literally in my lap with my mic above it, my gaming computer in front of me on my computer desk. I had a friend over the weekend, so everything's kind of like all over the place right now. So, uh, yeah. I'm not going to hit the mic, though. I promise you that. So let's talk uh, Let's talk innovation. And just the, the look of that in the gaming community over a couple of years, okay? So the Spring Play NYC Game Expo was this past weekend. It was on Saturday, and I went to it, and I had a good time, all right? Microsoft's really bad at playing events, so it, was, it wasn't as well structured in terms of organization, but the games were good. So Microsoft blew it, but luckily the games and the devs are really cool, so it made life easier. Now, one of the games I played there, which turns out it's actually already released, and I'm hoping by some chance, me talking about it here, maybe a community will start like, kind of gathering around it and make it more popular. It's not because it's a bad game, I just think because it's not as well known. So the game is called At Sundown, Shots in the Dark. I mean, At Sundown is a big part of it, but then has the subtitle Shots in the Dark. So At Sundown is very unique. So talking innovation. Innovation can be really good for a genre. I'm not saying another first-person shooter isn't a bad thing. Another top-down shooter is another bad thing. Another adventure game is another bad thing. I'm not saying that's bad. It's just nice to see a little bit of a change in it every now and then. And At Sundown is very simple, yet it completely turns a genre on its head. So At Sundown is a top-down shooter. So everyone's looking above the rooms that you're in, watching the action. Kind of like an old arcade game. In a way, there's some arcade games. Like top-down, like, you know, Hotline Miami. I know it's not arcade, but those kind of games. Hotline Miami, stuff like that. Now, in the game, it appears to be mostly focused on multiplayer, but there is some single-player challenges to it and stuff like that, and you can do couch and online multiplayer. So it depends on what you prefer. And in this game... The the title doesn't really hint at it, but it's just, you know, you kill to win. It's one-shot kills. You shoot your opponent once, they die, you get a point. Hooray. All, everything seems kind of straightforward. Every map's kind of unique. They're in different areas, like there's subway tunnels, sewers, uh, attics, apartment buildings, out on the streets, stuff like that. So there's different areas you can fight in. The, tr the, the challenge is, though, the trick to it, it's at night. So you're playing at night. But not only that... The light is actually your enemy because what happens is your character, so long as you're in the dark, is invisible. And once you enter the light, you're once again visible. Now, just because you're invisible doesn't mean you're immune to damage like that. You can still get shot. And the trick is trying to locate your enemy in the dark without giving yourself away too easily. Think of it like this way. Think back to like Halo 3 and Halo Reach. If you ever played those games, you ever played a, and you ever get like good camo, you know, pick up the camouflage, upgrade a multiplayer, or you're playing a game mode that gives everyone active camo constantly. It's hard to see the people, even when they're moving around, it's hard to see them. But whenever they shoot, there's that flash where you can see them. That's kind of what happens here. Whenever you shoot, because there's light that comes from your gun, there's a quick flash that reveals you. And then of course you see bullets are pretty big. So it's obvious where the person is, where the person was when they shot. Because the bolts are pretty large, which is fine. So you have that. And then whenever you stand in any sort of light source, 
it shows you. And there's this really cool map I saw. It's this like a dance club kind of thing. And there were two lights on the side of the room. However, the dance floor, there were various areas where the dance floor would light up, you know, in a certain pattern. And of course, if you've been standing on those lights, you're revealed. So you're trying to stay hidden while locating your enemies in the dark. And even certain sounds like there's a shotgun. When you reload the shotgun, it actually drops smoking shells on the ground. So people can see those shells fall on the ground. The grenade launcher leaves behind a grenade that eventually explodes. They can see that. So the only thing that's really invisible is just you, your character, while they're holding their gun. And it leads to some insanely fun matches. I had an opportunity to play it one-on-one against my friend. Now, what was interesting with couch multiplayer is if there's a tag above your head, everyone's going to know where you are. So playing couch adds a much more interesting challenge to the mix because you don't know where you are either because you're not labeled. So you're trying to do your best to use, you know, your memory and spatial awareness in game to remember where you're standing. And it's not always easy, but it's, it's fun. Like I kind of enjoyed that aspect of trying to remember where I was compared to my friend. Now I talked to the dev and obviously Playing multiplayer, yeah, you have a tag. If you're online on Steam or Xbox or whatever, you always have a tag above your head so you always know where you are. It makes sense. But for couch, I kind of like it. I know it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but I kind of like it. Now, what's important about this? Like, at sundown, doesn't do anything too crazy. Like, it's, you can do verse bots offline if you want to. You play local multiplayer. You play online multiplayer if you want to. There seems to be multiple game modes. Like, we, I only played, you know, Last Man Standing. Or not Last Man Standing, but, you know, it was kind of like a deathmatch-style thing. Just kill a person, get a point. But it seems, you know, just with the website, it seems like there's King of the Hill-style things and a couple other things. Like, there's various game modes. It is, for all intents and purposes, your run-of-the-mill top-down shooter. One bullet kills. There's an array of guns. All the characters are exactly the same, just their looks are different and their colors are different. And you go. The only thing they do different is that itty-bitty note of you're invisible when you're not in the light. And that is incredibly healthy. That's why that kind of innovation is really, really good. Because innovation doesn't mean creating something brand new from the ground up always. Sometimes it can just be a slight tweak to an already well-done formula. And this is why a lot of times sequels to games, sequels to movies and stuff like that don't work very well because they think, okay, things are kind of stale. Let's mix it up. Like Spyro 3, Year of the Dragon. One of the things the devs was quoted as saying was they couldn't go much further with Spyro because he doesn't have any hands. You know, he runs on all fours. He's a dragon. So in Spyro 3, that's why he had all these different characters now to give us more options. You know, Bentley has hands. He has the clubs. Agent 9 has the hands. He uses the gun. We give uh, Sergeant Bird the rocket launch. like adding in more characters and stuff like that gives more opportunities for playing. Like other things can kind of happen yet. Spiral three of the dragon was also given some negative reviews because of it. Like there was too much going on. There was too many characters to play too many variables, stuff like that. It was further from the classic setup of Spyro and Spyro three is still a great game. Like Spyro, the original Spyro trilogy is still great. Okay. Just yet. That's what hurt. Spyro 3 was trying to be a little innovative, trying a little too much to mix up a well-done formula. Like, Ripto's Rage is an amazing game, all right? 
I prefer, and this is what's funny, Spiral 3, I prefer Spiral 3 over Ripto's Rage in terms of the Spyro gameplay. I like the hub worlds better. I like the different levels better. Like, I like how Spyro 3 is built better than Spyro 2. However, if Bentley wasn't in it, I wouldn't even notice. Like, I'd be totally fine without Bentley being there. Like, I'm, it's his stages are the most infuriating out of all of them. So without Bentley, it would have been fine. Sheila's pretty cool, but in reality, Sheila's just Spyro, but can jump higher instead of gliding. If you got rid of Sheila, you could have just had more complex gliding puzzles for Spyro. Like, think treetops. You know, you could have removed all the Sheila stages and replaced them with more treetop-style, like, mini-levels, where Spyro uses supercharges and has to do further gliding and stuff like that. And this is what happens. They try to be a little too innovative in terms of changing characters, all right, and adding more to the world, that it kind of hurts Spyro 3. When instead, we could have taken a formula that already worked and just tweaked a little bit. Like I said, give more treetop-style levels for Sheila. You know, for the rest of them, I'm not sure we could do. Like, Spyro's always been able to pick things up in his mouth and shoot them. And we've used vehicles in the past, so maybe there's something there. Heck, there's even one level where you're trying to destroy a sandcastle, so you play a Sheila to ground pound all the different things to break them. Spyro has a headbutt. He can do that. All right, I'm not knocking all the extra characters. Like I said, I still love Enter the Dragon, all right? We just can't let innovation get in the way of what we're doing. And when it does get in the way, things go south. I mean, essentially, my, my channel's punching bag is Evolve. I'm not going to lie. Like, whenever I want to comment on how something is negatively done, I somehow bring in the discussion of Evolve. So I'm just fully admitting that that's the punching bag of the show, Okay. Evolve was cool because how innovative it was. Asymmetric gameplay, 1v4. Like, there was a lot of cool stuff there. It was very unique. And it also mixed in a couple things. Like, it was a first-person shooter. For people playing Hunters, you were a first-person shooter. Okay? But it also had that style of almost like a raid boss, like something out of World of Warcraft. Everyone has a different class. The classes have to work together to take down a big bad. They can't do it solo. So it has, like, those raid-style elements. When you're playing the monster... You're not doing a first-person shooter. It's a over-the-shoulder third-person. And it's not a shooter. You're... I wouldn't call it a sim, but the fact that, at least in the beginning, you're just trying to survive and eat to grow in power and then level up, there's almost like an RPG element in there where you get points, and even though at stage three, essentially, most of, if not all, your abilities are pretty much maxed out, still, just how you go about leveling up is pretty cool. So those there was a lot of cool elements there. The thing is they brought in so many cool elements and didn't focus on the core gameplay. The game flopped. Now something like Dead by Daylight. Okay, Dead by Daylight, it's not super big, okay? It's not a huge, huge game in terms of a community and popularity and stuff like that. But it's around. It's been around for a while and it's holding. It's staying afloat, okay? As far as I know, it hasn't gone free to play. You still have to pay for the game. So that's... A positive, like, the game's doing well enough that they can still ask for, I'm looking at the Steam page right now, 20 bucks. They have a deluxe session for 30 bucks. I don't know why. And reviews are kind of mixed, okay? It's still there. That's the thing. Like, if Evolve didn't do what they did, trying to make expensive gameplay, we wouldn't have Dead by Daylight trying to clean up the mess. You know, trying to better the formula. And we also have the Friday the 13th, the game. Again, asymmetric. One guy's playing... Jason, everyone else is playing Council Shining to live. It's just 
the innovative the innovativeness needs to take a back seat. They try and push so much of this new unique style that we fail at what it means to be an actual game, like fundamentally. Now, I never played Friday the 13th, the game. I never played Dead by Daylight. I've seen some things. I've watched other YouTubers. I've read some things. Like I said, I'm looking over the reviews right now. It's one of the games, but it's hard for me to read from so far away. So sorry, I'm blind. Yeah. Still, where's the game? Like, here it says, every game, okay, everyone is toxic, everyone is trolling. You know, I'm looking at one of those reviews, it's always a sad thing to do. Uh, Dead by Daylight is a difficult game to review. If you review it, so I'm just kind of reading a few things. Okay, so yeah, I'm just, like, I was kind of like looking over some views a little bit just to get people's feelings. The innovation needs to take the back seat, though. Like, a lot of people are kind of talking about the toxicity of the players, buggy games, like the gameplay not being flushed out, stuff like that. And that's the thing. Like, an asymmetrical game. You, if you're playing on the multiplayer side, you can't have toxic teammates. This goes back to like that whole raid mentality, like World of Warcraft, stuff like that. You need to be able to have everyone working together to actually win. And if you're stuck with toxic people, it ain't going to work out. And it's something that, for some reason, these games kind of draw that attention. Like I remember playing Evolve, and there were some issues with toxicity. And I'm um, seeing with Dead by Daylight, people are mentioning it too. I don't know what it is. So how can we fight that? Like We come up with this cool idea, but it's so big on the asymmetry of the game that actually making it a playable game and actually making it that people can work together, it just it it fails. And it's depressing because it it should be able to make a big difference. It should be able to be kind of like a landmark game or a big deal it's depressing <laughs> i'm just kind of like you know i'm looking over my game collection also i'm trying to think of where animation has been like titanfall that's one i want to talk about titanfall okay the first titanfall game did all right wasn't huge but did all right and innovation giant mech suits is awesome it combined the two things like i always kind of enjoyed giant mech combat and the few games I have played in terms of like multiplayer with mech combat, there was one that was free to play for a while. Excuse me, sorry. And there are also some paywalls. It does a job, though. You play in giant mechs. And then you have stuff like, you know, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, stuff like that. You know, those classic first-person shooters. Titanfall put the two together, and it did well enough. You know, you're able to shoot people and just do your run-and-gun standard stuff. However, on top of that, you can then call down a giant mech, and now you're piloting a giant mech in the middle of this firefight. It's still a first-person shooter. You just got a mech. It did well enough to hark in a second game. And instead of going crazy, as it tends to happen with certain games, they just said, okay, cool, let's iron out... They went back to gameplay. Let's just iron out what wasn't working. Let's improve upon a few things to keep Titanfall at its core, still Titanfall. And then, you know... They add in the grappling hook. They add in more parkour, which it was going that way anyway. Like Call of Duty kind of rolled out the red carpet for that with their Advanced Warfare series and stuff like that. Having those, you know, uh, we'll call it like Warframe kind of things. So those battle suits that they had on the people. That added more parkour elements and grappling stuff like that. So Titanfall just 
Sorry, I just hit the mic. Said I wasn't going to. I apologize. Titanfall didn't go crazy. Titanfall wasn't trying to. Titanfall two wasn't trying to do something big, brand new. It just ironed out a few details, and therefore it did great. And game series need to do that more often. If you want to be different and innovative, start with a baseline, and just sprinkle a little something in there. Don't go completely crazy. And should your game pick up, just iron out. Like Witcher. Okay, let's talk about Witcher. Witcher 3 is a great game. People love Witcher 3. It's well-renowned throughout. All right? And I can tell you right now, no one has an idea what the fuck The Witcher 1 is. Witcher 2 is a thing that people kind of know about. But everyone talks about Witcher 3. And that's not a bad thing. Because The Witcher was trying to just develop an RPG further. But keep it the same. You still have weapons. You have armor. You can change equipment. There is a leveling up system. You got to manage your equipment. There's alchemy, so you can create potions and bombs and stuff like that. It's your standard RPG. It's it's a normal RPG. And the dialogue interactions, it's something kind of like out of Dragon Age. You can have different options. Okay? The way you interact with people, you can sometimes avoid. Like, as you get further into the game, I'm not too far into The Witcher 3. As you get further into the game, you can avoid certain things. I remember there was... A conversation I had last night. I'm playing Witcher 3 and a couple guys come in this tavern and I completely avoided the, the combat by, instead of like instigating anything or ignoring them, I offered to buy them a drink and we ended up avoiding combat in the end. I still had to fight them outside, which was a little upsetting. I hope that's like, not, f- I, ho- I hope that was like a bug. It's kind of stupid to avoid combat with these guys and they fight you anyway outside. That seems stupid. Anyway, it, it's an RPG and it's really cool that they put anything that advanced so the plot forward is in yellow, and anything that doesn't is in white. So it's easy to know kind of where you're going with the dialogue. Yet why is it so well-loved? Because it does side quests different. It didn't remake the whole RPG genre. It took what is probably one of the most tedious things in RPGs and just tweaked it. The side quest. A lot of times there's like fetch quests, collector, collecting things, stuff like that. Like Kind of those boring, tedious side quests. And they're always around. Like, even Dragon Age Origins, I love that game. But there are a couple side quests, like, oh, go here. And I'll go here. I'm like, <sighs> like, it can get tiring at times. From what I've seen so far on The Witcher, and my understanding is talking to friends about it and other people about it, they circumvent that. And I remember one of the first side quests I did was The Demon in the Well. And I really enjoyed that quest because it was, I was told, there's a problem at this well over here. Can you please go over there and take care of it? So I'm like, okay, cool. Let me go and take care of it. So I went there, and it was a scene of a crime. There was people killed. And trying to figure out, okay, what happened? And he's trying to gather clues. And the clues are putting together a narrative of what went down. And then eventually this wraith appeared. And I'm like, oh, there's a wraith there. Okay. And I went to fight it. I'm like, I can't hurt the fucking thing. You know, it's a wraith. It's a ghost. I, I can't touch it yet. And so you as a player... I mean, unless you really know Witcher lore very well, you might know what to do, but me not knowing what to do, because I don't know Witcher lore that well, the character in the game, Geralt, actually said something. Geralt Geralt actually was saying something about, like, shit, I need to find this thing to kind of bound the wraith to this plane of existence so I can harm it, so I kind of, like, give it a physical form. I'm like, okay, so let me try and dodge it and figure out what happened. Oh, there's something up with the well. Let me go check the well. I jump into the well. Like, the quest did something for the narrative. The quest added something to the game. Yeah, it was a side quest, so it wasn't 
I didn't need to complete it, but completing it just kind of added to the world. It provided something for the world. Now, some side quests that are you have to collect something can't be too bad. Like going back to Origins real quick, Dragon Age Origins. Remember one of the earlier quests when you first when you're doing the initiation to be a Grey Warden and you have to go out to the Kokori Wilds and just get some Darkspawn blood and go grab some scrolls. Well, the Darkspawn blood, you just loot from Darkspawn that you have to fight normally. They're, they're just theirs. You have to fight through waves of them, so that's fine. You pick them up. There's also a quest that says, oh, there's some Mabari Hounds that are wounded. Would you mind finding this flower so I can cure them? And it's not just some stupid fetch quest elsewhere. It's pretty early on to your venture into the Kokori Wilds. There's a cutscene where you run into this wounded soldier, and there's just some dialogue where some of the initiates are, like, doubting the practices and stuff like that. Like, oh, are we really ready for this? Yada, yada, yada. And once that dialogue is done, if you do a quick scope around the area, which, I mean, it's an RPG in the wilds, you would do that anyway. Boom, right there you see the flower you need. And I think, like, there's another log that has a flower on it later down in case you missed that one. So like, that's not a bad fetch quest. Yeah, it doesn't do much for the narrative. However, it doesn't pull you away from everything. It's just, it's present in what's going on. And that's good. And The Witcher so far has done that in terms of like collecting herbs and shit like that. I'm just finding them on the road as I go from one quest to another. The thing that's been annoying me is I need to repair my weapons and it's been a pain in the fucking ass to find blacksmiths. I'm still early on, so it might be that. That might be the issue, but... It's been a pain in the ass trying to do some gear maintenance. I have to kind of like hop around, go back to the earlier villages. That's my main complaint of the game. But it's it's terms of what it does for the RPG genre. I think more RPGs need to take take from The Witcher. Maybe that means you have less side quests. Okay, if you have less side quests, that's fine. Are the side quests ironed out? Because a lot of times the criticism I see of RPG games, it's the grind. It's you know meaningless, meaningless, meaningless ugh, quests. Go get this. Go fetch that. Go kill 20 of these things. You know, in World of Warcraft, it's whatever. Doing those kind of quests is whatever because you need to level up. And since there's such a big gap in leveling up, doing those, you have, you're going to be killing things anyway to grind. You might as well get a couple extra XP and some rewards from killing them anyway. Depending on the genre, it's fine. And something for World of Warcraft, that genre kind of demands it, and it's fine. But in a single-player RPG, don't do that. Do something like The Witcher is doing. Give us something worthwhile with the side quests we're doing, but keep everything else the same. You still level up. You still got crafting. You still got equipment management. Cool. That's what makes RPGs great. Just give us something worthwhile to do with all of that. I know I started talking about at sundown at the start of this, and we've gone to a completely different genre, but you see what I'm saying? Innovation can be so good. And there's a number of games that they stick out because of like, Hell, Dark Souls. I will give Dark Souls some praise for its time because of what it did. Like, younger generations, when games first got came out, and we're talking like the arcades and stuff like that, and games like on the SNES and stuff like that, they were hard because you had, I think we talked about this before, you had to validate your purchase. If I'm dropping money on this game or I'm going to the arcade to spend this time, I need to get my worth. So, yeah, a lot of those games weren't that long. I still, like, Rocket Knight Adventures... One of my favorite games of all time is a relatively short game. Though I've never beaten it on hard mode, at least in my memory. It's a tough-as-nails game. And I'm happy with that. It, the game is tough because you get your money's worth for it by spending all that time on it. But as time went on, and we were able to involve save mechanics. So you can save your game. You can save your progress. We were able to make bigger games, longer games. We were able to make games with multiplayer to add in replayability. Like, as soon as replayability started 
kind of getting thrown into the mix, that's when the quote-unquote hard games started to die out. We no longer need hard games because we can make better stories. We can add voice acting. We can improve CGI. We can add in saving the game. We can add in multiplayer. We can add in branching stories. We can add in so much to add to replayability of a game and inflate its runtime in terms of like side quests and stuff like that. But the game isn't hard anymore. So that idea of playing a hard game started to kind of die down. And then Dark Souls comes around and has an RPG formula to it. And that's, what, that's one of the things I love about Dark Souls is that RPG element to it. It sucks at times that a certain build, like I'm trying a faith strength build because I want to be a paladin style char- character. I do zero damage. It sucks. The, the one thing is though, it's still an RPG game. It's honestly a relatively short game. It's In reality, it's not that long of a game. But there is some element of multiplayer to it. But it brings back that hardness to it. Like, there is patterns for you to recognize. There is some challenge to it. At times, aggravating. Yet, they're going back to older style games. So, innovative, yes. Completely brand new, no. They were just taking an old idea and kind of bringing it back. And that's why that meme blew up that was so stupid of, like, it's the Dark Souls of this, it's the Dark Souls of that. It's like, no. These people are just saying, hey, remember when games were hard? Yeah, let's fucking do that. Like, Cuphead? Yeah, let's fucking do it. I remember when Crash Bandicoot came out. We talked about this a previous episode a long time ago about it being the Dark Souls of platforming. No, it's just the game was always that way. We just got desensitized to it. We weren't used to it anymore because the game's changed. Innovation lets us either explore something new for the genre or just kind of go back to something old because we keep changing the name of the game. We keep improving, quote-unquote, upon the game because of improved graphics, voice acting, motion capture, whatever you want to do. The technology is there to improve the game at we start to lose touch with the genre itself. So I hope, I really, really hope going forward, we see more innovative games in a positive way. Okay, Rocket League was one of those. Again, it's not a massive hit anymore, but people still play it. It's still a thing. And you're playing soccer in cars. But it works. It's, it's, it's a cool concept. I like it. So give us more of that. Give us something to work with here, people. Give us something new to sink our teeth into. That isn't a brand new genre, but just a cool little mechanic to be like, okay, I, I, I like this. I, I'll buy into this. It's one of the reasons why I love Vanquish. Still a third-person shooter with over-the-top action, but the fact that you can like slow down time and shit with this suit was really fun. I really enjoyed Vanquish for it, so let's give us more. And then there was Binary Domain, which you actually could use voice commands to direct your squad. The game itself wasn't well-polished, but I liked it so much because of that whole command system. Like, you've seen in the Mass Effect, like, Mass Effect tried to do it with the, Mass Effect 3 tried to do that with the Xbox Connect, but we all know the Connect sucked. Just do what Binary Domain did. You plug a headset into the controller, you wear the headset, talking to the headset, there you go, problem solved, boom, bada-bing, bada-boom, just do that, don't be fancy. Keep the text simple. Just use it to its full advantage. I could keep going. I could go on and on and on, but I'm not going to. All right. I think I made my point with innovation. Keep the technology simple. Keep it simple, stupid. The kiss, the kiss principle. Keep it simple, stupid. The technology works as is. Just tweak what it does for us. We be we all be Gucci. We all we all be good. We'll have some fun with it. All right. 
So hopefully in the next year or two, we get we get to see a little more like that, a little more change to the genre or harken back to older versions of the genre and bring that back into the spotlights. All right. So going to cut it here. Last episode two was a little bit longer. So I want to kind of take a deep breath here, get some D&D stuff done, things like that. Uh, also, it's like I need to take a shower or something. It's It's hot. I don't know where it came from, but suddenly it's summertime all of a sudden now. The cold air went away. So hopefully you're not getting hit with sickening heat all of a sudden in springtime. But hopefully you're not freezing your ass off with four-degree weather at the same time. I tell you, man, the Upper East Coast of New York its a weird place to live with the changing of the seasons. So that'll be all for this time. I hope you enjoyed this spiel once again. Uh, yeah, we're, we're approaching that episode 50 land mile milestone i'm keeping that in mind making that twitter account stuff like that like i'm not gonna tell you if i did it yet or not okay i'm only gonna say at episode 50 i'm gonna give all the information that's when i'll kind of like release it and i'll find out what to do with it so until then i'm gonna keep it hush hush for now and as i put the pieces together and figure things out so as always thank you for listening i hope you enjoy this week i hope it's a beautiful week for you and i will see you all next sunday at 5 p.m take care